Beloved Bhagwan, if you don't understand by yourself, you'll have to find a teacher to get to the bottom of life and death. But unless he sees his nature, such a person isn't a teacher. Even if he can recite the twelve-fold canon, he can't escape the wheel of birth and death. He suffers in the three realms without hope of release. Long ago, the monk Goodstar was able to recite the entire canon, but he didn't escape the wheel because he didn't see his nature. If this was the case with Goodstar, then people nowadays who recite a few sutras or shastras and think it's the Dharma are fools. Unless you see your mind, reciting so much prose is useless. To find a Buddha, all you have to do is see your nature. Your nature is the Buddha, and the Buddha is the person who's free, free of plans, free of cares. If you don't see your nature and run around all day looking somewhere else, you'll never find a Buddha. The truth is, there's nothing to find. But to reach such an understanding, you need a teacher. And you need to struggle to make yourself understand. Life and death are important. Don't suffer them in vain. There's no advantage in deceiving yourself. Even if you have mountains of jewels and as many servants as there are grains of sand along the Ganges, you see them when your eyes are open. But what about when your eyes are shut? You should realize then that everything you see is like a dream or illusion. If you don't find a teacher soon, you'll live this life in vain. It's true, you have the Buddha nature, but without the help of a teacher, you'll never know it. Only one person in a million becomes enlightened without a teacher's help. If, though, by the conjunction of conditions, someone understands what the Buddha meant, that person doesn't need a teacher. Such a person has a natural awareness, superior to anything taught. But unless you're so blessed, study hard, and by means of instruction you'll understand. People who don't understand and think they can do so without study are no different from those deluded souls who can't tell white from black. 
falsely proclaiming the Buddha Dharma, such persons, in fact, blaspheme the Buddha and subvert the Dharma. They preach as if they were bringing rain, but theirs is the preaching of devils, not of Buddhas. Their teacher is the king of devils, and their disciples are the devil's minions. Deluded people who follow such instruction unwittingly sink deeper in the sea of birth and death. Unless they see their nature, how can people call themselves Buddhas? They're liars who deceive others into entering the realm of devils. Unless they see their nature, their preaching of the twelve-fold canon is nothing but the preaching of devils. Their allegiance is to Mara, not to the Buddha. Unable to distinguish white from black, how can they escape birth and death? Whoever sees his nature is a Buddha. Whoever doesn't is a mortal. But apart from our mortal nature, if you can find a Buddha nature somewhere else, where is it? Our mortal nature is our Buddha nature. Beyond this nature, there's no Buddha. The Buddha is our nature. There's no Buddha beside this nature, and there's no nature beside the Buddha. संस्कृत प्राकृत एंड पाली थ्री लैंग्वेजेस यूज्ड इन द पास्ट बाय द एनलाइटेंड पीपल ऑफ दिस लैंग्वेज हैव अ वेरी रिच लैंग्वेज As far as inner experiences are concerned, just as West today has a very exact language to express scientific researches, discoveries, inventions, technologies. But the Eastern languages don't have the similar is the case as far as the interior experience is concerned. The Eastern languages are immensely rich 
while the Western languages are absolutely poor. In these three languages, Sanskrit, which has been used by the Upanishads and the Hindu mystics, Prakrit, which has been used by Mahavira, and all the Jana mystics and masters, and Pali, which has been used by Gautam Buddha. Just for a teacher, they have many words. With his slight differences, The first word is Sikshak, that means only a man who imparts information. He may know, he may not know, that is irrelevant, but his information is correct. He is a man of the mind. The second word which goes a little deeper into experience not just information. Is Adhyapak. He is not only an informer, but he himself is informed. It is not only a mental thing to him, it is part, but only partially, of his heart too. And the third word is Upadhyaya, who goes a little more deeper into experience. whose information is more alive than the previous two. He has travelled the path, but he has not reached the goal. And then finally the Acharya, who has reached the goal, now the information that he imparts 
is his own experience. He is his own authority, his own argument, his own presence is the whole evidence. But in English there is only one word, teacher. which is used for all kinds of people. The other word is master, which is not very much used by the English-speaking people themselves. But I would like to use the word master equivalent to the word acharya, one who knows, not only through mind but through experience. Most of the sutras in this part are unpolluted. The disciple has simply noted them down as Bodhidharma must have spoken them. If you don't understand by yourself, you will have to get a teacher. Instead of teacher, the word master will be right, because the teacher is one who teaches you about things of the outside world. Even if he teaches about the inner experiences, they are borrowed. He may be knowledgeable, but he is not knowledge itself. To make the distinction, the translator has made the point in a different way. If you don't understand by yourself, you will have to get a teacher to get to the bottom of life and death. But unless he sees his own nature, such a person is not a teacher. It is better to call a man who has reached to the highest peaks of experience, a master, and leave the word teacher for those who impart knowledge from one generation to another.
and master has a dignity also of its own. The teacher is almost like a computer. He has read, he has studied, he may have crammed all scriptures, But his presence does not indicate that he knows anything. His actions are not arguments for what he says. His saying comes only from the superficial layer of the mind. It is not coming from the innermost core of his being. The teacher cannot teach without words, but the master, on the contrary, cannot teach without silences. If he uses words, that is only to create silence. The Master is a living example of what he is saying. The teacher so simply a very well-versed, educated mind. The Master shows a transformed being, a luminous presence. Anybody who has eyes can see it, his grace, his beauty, his blissfulness, his laughter. Even in his silence much is said without words. Even his silence is a song of the ultimate. Even unmoving he is a dance expressing the dance of the whole universe. The Master is so far away from the teacher that it is better to use the word separately. I would prefer to say, if you don't understand by yourself, you will have to get a Master. because the Master knows his own nature, and by knowing his own nature he also knows the nature of every living being, because it is the same nature. By knowing himself he has known you too. 
his knowledge, his knowing is a bridge between him and his disciples. Even if the teacher can recite the twelve-fold canon, he can't escape the wheel of birth and death. He suffers in the three realms without hope of release. Just knowledgeability is not going to give you the experience of your immortality or your eternity or your oneness with the whole. It fills your mind with many words, but it leaves your being empty and hollow. You don't know anything first-hand, and truth can be known only first-hand. The moment it is second-hand, it is no more truth. It is just a dead world with no life. The man of great knowledge, a scholar, a pundit, a rabbi, is not going to get free from the wheel of birth and death. And he is not going to be free from the suffering in the three realms. According to Gautam Buddha, heaven, the earth and hell, all three are nothing but different kinds of sufferings. Buddhism reaches to the highest peak, because even heaven is not to be considered the ultimate home. It is still a very refined suffering, but suffering all the same. And one has to free from all three then it is nirvana, then it is enlightenment.
long ago the monk Gudistar was able to recite the entire canon, but he did not escape the wheel because he did not see his nature. If this was the case with Gudistar, then people nowadays who recite a few sutras or sastras and think it is the dharma are fools. This can be taken for granted that bodhidharma must have said it is beyond the capacity of a disciple to call the knowledgeable people who can recite the whole Buddhist sutras as fools. Only Bodhidharma can do that not out of any arrogance, not out of any ego, not to condemn them, not to humiliate or insult them. For Bodhidharma it is simply the fact and the fact has to be stated. He is not a man of manners and etiquette and all that rubbish. He simply says whatsoever is the truth. I absolutely agree with him. My own experience with great learned scholars is that they are learned fools. They have big degrees, great honors from universities, but as far as their own consciousness is concerned, it is of the same quality as anybody else. They are just parrots. And perhaps parrots are more intelligent than your pundits. I have heard about a Parrot. It was winter time. And the lady to whom the parrot belonged used to cover the parrot and his cage with a thick blanket so that he does not feel cold. 
in the day she used to remove the blanket. One day she removed the blanket as sun was rising and the parrot started singing the way all parrots sing, not a song taught by to him, but a song that is natural and is spontaneous to all the parrots, even if they are wild, meaningless to us, but tremendously joyful to them. And just then the lady heard her husband's car stopping in the porch. Her husband was on an emergency army duty, so he used to come without informing at any time, once in a while, she immediately put the blanket back on the parrot went into her bed The parrot said, My God, today's day has been too sad. <laughs> now, nobody has taught him this. This is coming out of his own intelligence. This is strange. Every day it was used to be, in the morning the blanket is removed, in the evening the blanket is put, but what has happened today? The day has been really too sad. <laughs> but your so-called learned people around the world don't have even that much intelligence. For the simple reason, because their knowledge becomes mountainous, and every possibility of intelligence becomes lost into their knowledge. The burden of knowledge is too heavy. They cannot afford to be intelligent against their knowledge. They are certainly fools. Fools because they are not only deceiving others by talking to them about things they know nothing of, they are fools because they are also deceiving themselves, and they are wasting their life in mere words.
An authentic life consists of experiences, not mere words. You can go on repeating love, love, love your whole life, still you will not have an experience of love. And the moment you have the experience of love, you will be suddenly surprised that the experience is so vast that the word love cannot contain it. It is too small. If this is the case about love, what will be the case about truth? Because truth is infinite, eternal. To know it means to become silent. Just the presence of truth and the feeling of it leaves you in a state of awe. All words fall silent. Unless you see your no mind, here the disciple falls back to his own understanding. He again uses the word mind. Unless you see your no mind, reciting so much prose is useless. And if you know your no mind, then too reciting so much prose is useless, because then there is no point to recite it. You have come to the very source from every Buddha has spoken. Now there is no meaning in scriptures, sutras and sastras, the holy books, can't give you more than you know already. To find a Buddha, all you have to do is to see your nature. That's what I have been telling you again and again, the only way out of ignorance and out of this dark night of the soul is to be aware of your own being, aware of your own awareness. In that moment when you are aware of your own awareness, everything is stopped. Time stops, suddenly you are beyond time and beyond space.
and the door opens which makes you part of the whole. And this is the inner mathematics that the part of the whole is not smaller than the whole. That will be difficult to understand. The part of the whole is equal to the whole because the whole cannot be divided into parts. Divisibility is not possible. That's why we call the real authentic being in you individual. Individual means indivisible. That which cannot be divided. So the moment you feel yourself part of the whole, that is the beginning, the first encounter with the whole. Soon you will realize you are not the part, you are the whole, because there is no possibility of any division. Your nature is the Buddha, and the Buddha is the person who is free, free of plans, free of cares. If you don't see your nature and run around all day looking somewhere else, you will never find enlightenment. The truth is there is nothing to find. So all your running is useless. This statement I can testify must be coming from Bodhidharma himself. There is nothing to find. You are all. The finder itself is the treasure. There is nothing else to find. Hence I have told you that Jesus' statement, seek and ye shall find, not and the doors shall be opened unto you. Ask, and it shall be given, are beautiful, poetic, impressive, but not true. If you want 
बौद्धि धर्म ही विल से सीक एंड यू सेल नेवर फाइंड बिकॉज एवरी सीकिंग टेक्स यू अवे फ्रॉम योर सेल्फ whom you are trying to find you are the one you are the buddha where are you going do not knock otherwise the door should be closed because you are very knocking is it desire is it demand and the buddha has no desire no demand that's why the door is always open for him do not ask otherwise you will go on missing whom you are asking there is no one to give it to you you have already got it in asking you are wandering away you are looking up to somebody else and nobody can give it to you there is no question of giving it to you you have got it already so all that is neither needed is neither seeking nor knocking nor asking all that is needed is to be aware of your own nature and you have found it there is nothing to find but to reach such an understanding you need a master why you need a master because you already have the truth within you why can't you just relax and become conscious of it the problem is that far ages your consciousness has been wandering all over the world it has forgotten the way to come home it has been long long time since you left the home now you don't know whether you have a home or whether you ever had a home your remembrance of a home 
seems to be as if you have seen it in a movie or in a dream or you have read somewhere it is a far away echo in the valleys it does not give you a certainty hence the need of a master the master is nothing but a certainty his presence makes it absolutely certain that there is much more within you than you have ever dreamt of his eyes give you a glimpse of your own possibility his silence provokes a silence in you and his authority triggers a process in you bodhidharma is right that but to reach an understanding you need a teacher and you need to struggle to make yourself understand life and are important don't suffer them in vain there is no advantage in deceiving yourself and everybody is deceiving few are deceiving by earning money and thinking that when they are super rich they have reached to the realization of their potential few are deceiving by accumulating knowledge few are deceiving by becoming powerful respectable few are even deceiving by becoming saints ascetics but whatever you do unless it leads to awareness of your nature is a deceiving even if you have mountains of jewels and as many servants as there are grains of sand along the ganges you see them when your eyes are open but what about when your eyes are shut they all disappear 
bodhi dharma is saying that this is just a small experiment for you as you close your eyes your palaces disappear your whole world disappears almost the same way as when in the morning you open your eyes all your dreams disappear and have you watched ever one thing very strange in the day sometimes you can suspect perhaps it is not real because there is no way to be certain about its reality you are sitting here can't you think it just as a dream it is possible that you are dreaming how you will make the difference that it is true and not dreaming the only difference is that your eyes are open but in the dream in the night you never suspect in a dream that it may be a dream this is one of the strangest mysteries in a real life fully awake you can doubt its reality in a dream nobody ever doubts the reality of the dream nobody thinks it is a dream it is so real but he is trying to give you an instance when you will be dying your eyes will be closed in the east it is a tradition the moment somebody dies immediately his eyes are closed from my very childhood i have been interested in the idea why because let him die if he wants to die with open eyes why should others be interfering you cannot even allow him after death a little freedom of keeping his eyes open i asked everybody because whenever somebody died i was always present the moment i heard somebody has died in the neighborhood or somewhere 
I immediately reached to see the whole thing, what is happening. And I have asked many, nobody was able to answer me that what trouble is for you? Why you are closing his eyes? Most often people die with open eyes. It is very rare to die with closed eyes. For the simple reason, because for closing the eyelids you need life energy. Just as you cannot die with a fist, because to keep your hand as a fist you need a certain life energy. Everybody dies with an open hand. Now there is no more energy, how can you keep the fist? The same way almost everybody dies with open eyes. And my own understanding is, although nobody has been able to say to me, I have asked great saints and they said that you bring such strange questions, we have never thought about it. And there is no mention of it in any scriptures, just convention. But I said, it goes on and on. I cannot accept that it is absolutely meaningless, because I can see the meaning. When the man dies, his eyes turn upwards. A dead man's open eyes, you will see only the white, all the black part, the real eye turns upwards. That creates fear in people. Just to see somebody's eyes open and all white, gives them fear. It happens in your sleep also, your eyes turn up. That is a rest for the eyes, and now the eyes have gone into complete rest. And not to provoke fear in people, immediately the eyes are closed. And in a philosophical sense, 
the eyes are closed because now the world no more exists for you to see. You are not, the world has disappeared for you. The moment a man dies, he cannot take his empire with himself, he cannot take his knowledge with himself, he cannot take his prestige, respectability, honor with himself. All that he can take with himself is his awareness of his own nature. That is your only wealth. And if you are not earning that wealth, you are wasting a tremendous opportunity. You should realize then that everything you see is like a dream or illusion, because death is going to take it all away. That which death cannot take is the only criterion for reality. If you don't find a master soon, you will live this life in vain. It is true you have the Buddha nature, but without the help of a master you will never know it. Only one person in a million becomes enlightened without a master's help. This, I can say, is directly coming from Bodhidharma, that this is beyond the capacity of an ordinary recorder of notes, a disciple, however learned, he cannot manage to say this. Only one person in a million becomes enlightened without a master's help. Even Bodhidharma has not become enlightened without a master's help. But the possibility remains, because it is your self-nature. In fact, there is no need at all of any master. If you are courageous enough to enter within yourself without bothering whether 
you are going to find something there or not, you will find it without the help of the Master. What is the help of the Master? Only giving you a certainty. Because you are not adventurers. Otherwise, what is the need of certainty? It is your life and you have the right and you should have a longing to know what it is all about. I had no master in my life. Many times I had come across enlightened people. But I simply said to them, they just leave me alone. What your help can do, just give me a certainty. But I am capable to go without certainty. In fact, it is more juicy to go without any certainty, not knowing at all where you are going, whether you are going to find anything or not. When you go with certainty, it is as if you are seeing a film twice. Everything is certain. You know exactly now what is going to happen. The new man I have been talking about all my life will not need masters because he will be so full of an adventurous spirit that he would like to go within himself just out of sheer adventure to see what is there at the very source of life. But up to now it has been happening only one person in a million becomes enlightened without a teacher's help. Perhaps I am that one person because I don't know any enlightened people in the whole history of mankind who had not had a master. But Bodhidharma recognizes the fact 
and the possibility. Although he himself had a master, and I am fulfilling his statement, only one person in a million becomes enlightened without a teacher's, a master's help. If though by the conjunction of conditions someone understands what the Buddha means, that person does not need a master. Such a person has a natural awareness superior to anything taught. But unless you are so blessed, a steady heart, and by means of instruction you will understand. These last sentences cannot be from both dharma. First, knowing your nature, does not come by studying. You can go on studying all the scriptures of the world, still you will not be knowing yourself. Neither it comes by instruction, Instruction means information from outside. Then how it comes? It comes through the communion with the Master. through falling in love with someone who has reached, seeing in him your own future. You are just a seed and he has come to blossom. That gives you a longing to move upwards and to become a flower yourself. It is not a question of a study, it is not a question of instruction, it is a question of deep love for the Master. Hence I say these statements are not from Bodhidharma. They cannot be. Even if Bodhidharma was here, and even if he was to say that they are my statements, I will refuse. They are not his statements.
a man like Bodhidharma cannot say such rubbish things. People who don't understand and think they can do so without steady hours no different from those deluded souls who can't tell white from black. These are the disciples' notes. He is again emphasizing the fact of steady. You all know the people of great learning, great knowledge, but deep down there is no light. They don't radiate a blissfulness. In fact, their studies make them serious. Rather than making them light, they make them burden. They know too much without knowing anything and it becomes a great tension in their being because actually they know nothing but they have accumulated so much information people worship them People respect them, so they cannot accept the fact that all our knowledge is superficial. It has not grown within our own being. It has no roots in us. All these flowers have been purchased from the marketplace. They have not grown in our own being. I have heard about a man who had gone for fishing. The whole day he tried and could not get a single fish. Now he was worried about the wife. So he went to the fish market, purchased three beautiful big fishes, but on a condition, the fisherman who was selling those fish could not understand the condition. The condition was very strange. He has come across such a thing for the first time. He was ready to pay the price whatsoever he was asking, but the condition was that he has to throw the fish and he will catch hold of it. 
he said there is no problem i will throw you catch but i don't understand what is the point he said you don't understand but i don't like to lie when i go home my wife will ask how many fishes you have caught i will say three fishes i have caught with my own hands i want to be exactly true such a man can deceive his wife but can he deceive himself and is this really true are just a falseness covered with the name of truth and that is the situation of all your so called learned people they have caught fish not from the lake but from a fisherman and his shop in the market but they have certainly caught it but they know themselves that they have not caught they have purchased and truth cannot be purchased you have to catch hold of your inner light by your own awareness other than there is no way falsely proclaiming the buddha dharma such persons in fact blaspheme the buddha and subvert the dharma they preach as if they were bringing rain but theirs is the preaching of devils not of buddhas their teacher is the king of devils and their disciples are the devils minions deluded people who follow such instruction unwittingly sink deeper in the sea of birth and death unless they see their nature how can people call themselves buddhas they are liars who deceive others into entering the realm of devils unless they see their nature their preaching of the 12 fold canon is nothing but the preaching of devils their allegiance to mara 
Mara is the Buddhist equivalent of the devil. Their allegiance is to Mara, not to the Buddha. Unable to distinguish white from black, how can they escape birth and death? Whoever sees his nature is a Buddha. Whoever does not is a mortal. But apart from our mortal nature, if you can find a Buddha nature somewhere else, where is it? Our mortal nature is our Buddha nature. It only needs recognition. There is no other difference. One who recognizes and is aware of his nature is a Buddha. One who does not recognize his own self-nature who has never gone in words, is a mortal. But the difference is only of recognition, of awareness. There is no qualitative difference between you and the enlightened man. The difference is only that he knows it and you are unaware of your own treasures. Hence, Bodhidharma declares our mortal nature is our Buddha nature. Beyond this nature there is no Buddha. The Buddha is our nature. But unless we are aware we will remain mortals. There is no Buddha besides this nature and there is no nature besides the Buddha. The word Buddha will be repeated again and again by Bodhidharma. So you have to understand what it means. It is not a personal name of anybody. Buddha simply means one who is awakened. Gautam Buddha is the most famous awakened person. But that does not mean that he is the only awakened person. There have been many Buddhas before him and there have been many Buddhas after him. And as long as every human being becomes a Buddha, there will go on, spring up new Buddhas in the future because everybody has the potentiality, it is only a time, right time, 
right time. that you are waiting. Someday, tortured by the outside reality, in despair of having seen everything and found nothing, you are bound to turn inward. Gautam Buddha's personal name was Siddhartha. Gautama is his family name. So his name was Gautama Siddhartha. Buddha is not his name. It is his awakening. Because I have given names to our discourse as Zorba the Buddha, the ambassador of Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka is a Buddhist country. The ambassador wrote a letter to me that it is very disrespectful and it hurts our religious feelings that you have given to discourse The name Zorbadi Buddha, please take the Buddha out of it. I wrote him a letter that perhaps you are a born Buddhist, but I am a Buddha. And Zorba the Buddha I have every right to call the discourse. It has nothing to do with your Buddha. You be satisfied. If I was calling it Zorba the Siddhartha there was a point for your being disturbed. But Buddha is not a personal name. Gautam Buddha is only one of the Buddhas amongst millions. And Zorba has every potential to become a Buddha. And I cannot prevent it and neither you can prevent it. And you are only a Buddhist, just a follower, 
and imitator. You don't know exactly the meaning even of the word Buddha. You have never experienced what self-awareness is. So write to me again, what do you want? He has been silent. He has not answered. And I don't think he may have shown the letter to anybody else. So whenever Bodhidharma uses the word Buddha, remember he is not mentioning Gautam Buddha. He is saying awareness, enlightenment, liberation, total freedom, all those qualities are in that word Buddha. It is nobody's name and it is everybody's potential. Oh, yes, Bhagwan.